So obviously you are heading into Kansas City as you are wont to do, which I super appreciate. And there is an attraction that is pretty uh, pretty relevant to our interest. There's a Patty's pop-up bar. Ooh, Patty's pop-up bar. We are going. When is that going to be? It's going to be from March 17th, St. Patty's Day, to April oh, 29th. So they're going to have about a six-week window in there. And it's at Apparition Pop-Up Bars on Shawnee Drive. No, we are not doing an ad for them right now. But I am super excited. So not only is it a Patty's Pop-Up, which you know is, is what I'm way into, but they've got like activities. They've got like <laughs> sunny trivia. Um, they've got... Uh, a lot of different like they say they say they've got rum ham like booze ham oh um, they've got fight milk and riot juice so they have oh, like sunny I themed mean. stuff pose on the set of the nightman play the game of games discover what's going on on charlie's head as you enjoy your <laughs> tribute to the world's greatest anti-sitcom so uh that is certainly going to be our plan when you get in town i cannot wait for that Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. I'm Austin. Find me on Twitter at Real Bird Lawyer. Here with me, as always, my co-host Taylor at Taylor underscore Wit. What's going on, buddy? Yikaka! I just call it calling. I don't even know why. Sometimes you know the spirit just moves you, and uh, we're here. We're brought to you by the Pigskin Podcast Network, as always, at PigskinPodNet. Check out our partners, DraftKings and Underdog Fantasy. It is somehow like. I mean, it's the week after the combine. It's the week before yeah. free agency. Stuff is going on all over the place. It feels like the Super Bowl was yesterday, but it also feels like it was like a year ago. We're stuck in a time warp here. We're just gonna have to move past it. We got a great show for you guys, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. News, news, news. What is happening? Joined by FF astronauts and RGR footballs, and so on and so forth. You'll get the full introduction when we get to it. Dan Harms joins us to talk about what's going on, and then we got a mailbag. So, you know. So, I guess the first item of news is that the Chiefs did not place the franchise tag on left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. And they gave us a couple of days notice on this. The franchise tag deadline was Monday, and the Chiefs kind of let it be known over the weekend that they were not going to place the tag on Orlando Brown Jr. They obviously placed the tag on him last year. Uh, last year it was around $18 million. This year it would have been about a 20% increase, would have been somewhere in the $20 million range. That would have been fully guaranteed. And obviously with the franchise tag, once you place the tag on a player, you have to have that money available on your cap, even if they haven't signed the franchise tender. You you have to basically keep that space open for them to sign the franchise tender since that can happen at any time. Were you surprised that the Chiefs did not tag Orlando? You know, I should not have been but I was. And by that, I mean, I, I think it all makes sense why they didn't, but I just didn't expect that to happen. I just didn't expect it, even though I get it. And left tackle is so important in the NFL. It's so important to protect Mahomes. Like there's so much about it. Also, 
goddamn the draft capital that was put in to acquire Orlando Brown, you know, sure. they traded with the Ravens. The Ravens gave the Chiefs a second, a sixth, and Orlando Brown, and the Chiefs sent back a first over or first round pick, 31st overall, a third round pick, a fourth round pick, and a fifth round pick for Orlando. So I mean, this was a heavy investment in the guy. And when you don't tag him, you are dangling the possibility, the strong possibility that he is not going to be a chief in 2023. And while I get the economics of it and I get it on the field because he's really not that great, but like, it's still scary. It's still like they're playing a game of chicken and I'm scared. Yeah. I, I think to your point. So I, I think just to address the, you know, we should maybe have seen it coming, even though we didn't see it coming. I, I mean, as I mentioned to place the franchise tag on a player, you have to have that money available. And while you can always later rescind the tag or you can sign a player to a long-term deal and get out from under that in the short term you have to have that money and you have to have it allocated towards that player that you've tagged with franchise tag now free agency starts next week the chiefs have some cap flexibility but with orlando you know making 20 million dollars guaranteed for one year their ability to go out and make moves in free agency would have been completely hamstrung. And so I think they certainly tried to get a deal done. We know they tried to get a deal done last year and this year. And it doesn't sound like Orlando was willing to stoop to the contract that the chiefs offered him. He thinks he's, he's better than us. He's not. And, you know, I think he's going to go out and get paid in free agency, but I understand with the benefit of hindsight, why the chiefs did it, but it is, it was a little scary. Mm-hmm. Well, and plus, you know, I think that if Orlando goes out and talks to other teams, almost no matter what he comes up with, the Chiefs were right. Because if he goes out there and he talks to another team and they go, oh, dude, we'll pay you $22 million a year. You're awesome. Then the Chiefs were right because they should not have paid Orlando Brown that much money. And he went right. and got his bag and that's totally fine. Or he goes out and talks to these teams and they go, what? Are you? You? You want that? Yeah. You want to reset the left tackle market? You're one of your top ten tackle. Like you know, if if they kind of give him the same feedback, con- constructive criticism that the Chiefs have given him, which is like, buddy, we want you on the team, but like you are fine. You know, you're not twenty million dollars a year good. So either way, like the only thing that would really chat my ass is if he signs a deal with another team for like 16 or $17 million a year or whatever. Like if he, you know, doesn't take as much as he was demanding from the chiefs and he goes somewhere else, then I'm going to feel like, well, then he just didn't want to be here. But otherwise I think the chiefs come out as winners here, no matter what happens. We can always play this game. We're going to play this game in just a second when we talk about our second item of news, but you can always play the game of, you know, would you do the trade again? If you could go back, (laughs) you know, two years ago. And it's an interesting question because I mean, the price was steep, and obviously I I was livid at the time the Chiefs didn't get a contract done as part of making the trade, which is always best practices when you can do it. I I do think players are pushing back against that because, you know, we saw with Laramie Tunsil and the Texans traded for him a few years ago that he resisted, and ultimately they ended up paying him massive, you know, uh, market-setting money. Uh, But the Chiefs did not do that with Orlando, and – they stuck to their guns. You know, according to ESPN, his pass block win rate this year was 91.8%. Uh, 
that was 18th among all NFL offensive tackles, which looks good, which looks good. But at the same time, I mean, when you really get into the numbers like pass blocking, his pass blocking pressure weight was 5.4%. So that's different from pass block win rate. That's an ESPN metric. This is a true media metric. That's actually slightly below average for left tackles. Now, that first one is amongst all tackles. That includes mm-hmm. right tackles and left tackles. This pass blocking pressure rate was 22nd out of 36 qualified left tackles. Mm. So he was actually allowing pressure at a below average, at a bad rate. Yeah. More pressure than you would like. He only allowed four sacks this year on 722 pass blocking snaps which again, that was actually league best for left tackles, but he was allowing more pressure in the postseason. He allowed an 8.3% pressure rate, which was the highest of any left tackle in the playoffs, but he didn't surrender a sack. But as we've established stack sack numbers are quarterback numbers. Sure. Of course. And and that, you know, he's giving up pressures and Pat sees the pressure coming and gets rid of it or runs away from it. Right. And so he's not really adding value. I mean, at least as far as as the strict on-field production. Now, you know, he seems like a good kid, and it seems like he gets along in the locker room and some of that stuff. So, like, I know the fit, like, culturally is good. And I know that if the Chiefs were able to bring him back, they'd be happy with his production. I mean, not they're they're not thrilled. They don't think he's a you know top tackler or whatever. But if they, if the economics can work out, they they do like him as part of the team. If they it's met just, their if he met their price, they would. Be yes, yeah. If they if he understood that he was not a top whatever number tackle in the NFL or left tackle. I mean, he's got this whole culture behind like being a left tackle. Right. And like my dream was always to play left tackle in the NFL and all that stuff that came with him when he came over from Baltimore. The reason he didn't want to stay in Baltimore is because they were not wanting to pay him to be a left tackle. And it just kind of feels like Orlando has this like air of, confidence that just hasn't quite been backed up by his field or his play on the field. And I, I think whatever happens here, I'm going to be, I'm going to settle with it as long as they don't pay him some ridiculous out of control mega contract, as long as they don't do that, which they clearly are not going to, or they would have by now, then I'm good. Yeah. We probably are not going to see him back in Kansas city, but we will see free agency starts next week. Speaking of moves to clear up salary cap, the Chiefs in an expected move did cut ties with Frank the Shark Clark. We saw it coming. He obviously had to reset or restructure his deal last year to be able to, I mean, stay on the team. He would have been cut last season if the Chiefs had not been able to come to an agreement where he just agreed to take less money to stay on the team and not get cut and hit free agency. And you got to give credit to Frank because Frank had probably his. I mean, certainly his best or his second best season, um, you know, it, w- it would be this year in 2019, the two years that the Chiefs won a championship ring with yeah. Frank Clark on the team. Those are his two best seasons um, as a Chief. And, you know, this was an expected move. It sounds like there's still a possibility that the Chiefs could bring him back uh, if his market is not, you know, what he would hope it to be. And, you know, I, he certainly is not going to get wouldn't think is not going to get huge money because you know he had a good year for him but not it's not like he went out and had 15 sacks right he's he's uh 29 30 years old so he's not going to blow out the market but 
it certainly seems like there's a strong possibility that that he will not be back uh, with the Chiefs. And boy, I I don't know how we got here, but kind of kind of sucks, kind of sad. Yeah, it does suck. Um, I really, really came to appreciate and like Frank the dude this year. Like, I always kind of thought he was a character and kind of laughed at like the James Palmer interview from 19 and some of his, you know, his antics. But like just watching his pressers this year, watching the way that I feel like when his his body changed this offseason, he slimmed down, he changed his diet. He did a lot of stuff to kind of try and figure out what was basically what was causing him to be underperforming the last couple of years. And I mean, you know, five sacks doesn't jump off the page by any means, but I think that we all recognize that his play was improved this year. But not only that, his relationship, especially with Andy Reid among everyone, was just kind of put front and center. He lost his dad to a house fire. He talked about how Andy was like a father figure to him and and you know his he was so emotional in the Super Bowl victory. Just kind of sitting there staring and crying. A lot of stuff that you know it's as fans the the personal stuff does matter to us as much as we want to sit here and be cold and calculated about sure, like, you know how what are you going to do on the field? Like these guys are there are you know everything and to lose a guy like Frank at this point feels a lot different than it would have if the Chiefs had cut him last year. Like, I was ready to cut him last year. Of I mean, everyone was. And the reworked deal, we did we did realize the economics there. Like, okay, he's cheap. It's fine. Let's bring him back. Let's see what he's got. But I was not like, hell yeah, we're bringing back Frank Clark. But, like, this year, when I'm pretty sure the Chiefs are going to re-sign Frank Clark, I'm going to be fired up about it. And that's more to do with Frank the dude than it is Frank the football player. Um, the trade you talked about with Orlando, if we would do the trade again, just to go over those numbers again. Sure. Frank was cl- was traded by the Seahawks with the Seahawks third round pick that the Chiefs used on Colin- with, uh, to pick Colin Saunders to the Chiefs for a 2019 first, a 2019 third, a 2020 second, and maybe the most important part, a mega deal a five-year, $100 million extension sure. after that point. And so the Chiefs gave up. I mean, this is arguably the biggest move in the Brett Veach era is the yes. Frank Clark trade. With sure. with the assets on the cap and the, the picks and, and everything that goes on there. I mean, Frank Clark is the player that, other than Patrick Mahomes, that the team has invested the most resources in in the last five years. And – it was fine. He he's a postseason dynamo and is, you know, right up there on the sack board for all time. And that's fun. But, you know, would would you do it again? I think it'd be pretty crazy to do it again if you look back on it. I think the answer there is let's use that all that draft that cap space and all those picks and and try somewhere, try in another direction. I mean, the answer before this season is one hundred percent no. I don't agree again. Agree. I I think you know the production definitely does not match what the Chiefs gave up the the on field production. But I do think you could make me an argument, and and this is crazy to say given where we were with Frank last year. You could make <laughs> me a case that you know his leadership really was important, and what he contributed off the field really was important to the chiefs winning two rings in the four years that he's been a chief. I mean, he had yeah. 10 and a half playoff sacks in four years. 
And that's insane. I know. And he had 23 and a half in the regular season. So, I mean, like we're talking about 55 regular season (laughs) starts and 12 playoff games and, you know, 58 games played total 55 starts and in the playoffs, 12 games and, you know, 10 and a half times the games. Yeah. yeah, 10 and a half sacks. I mean, that matters. And, you know, again, I I mean, the price was ridiculous. Exorbitant. Yeah. You could certainly go back, you know, if, if they go back and they take those picks and they hit on a couple of guys, then, you know, maybe we're talking about three Super Bowls or even four Super Bowls in a row, right? Like, <laughs> sure. Maybe, maybe. I, but I also think my perspective has kind of shifted with how much they've crushed the draft lately, which they sure. were not doing in 2019. And so, absolutely not. So if you told me in 2019, like, hey, the Chiefs are going to trade for a guy that's young and and a dynamic pass rusher, and we're going to give up some picks to do it. I mean, at the time, I was fired up about it because the picks didn't really they didn't mean what they do to me now, because now I see, you know, the process can return. A, sure, Brett Beach a, was bad at drafting back then. He was. Now he was amazing at it. He so. wasn't great. And so, you know, it's fine. And if they had missed on all those picks, then we would have been a worse team without Frank Clark. And so yes. you can't quite say, you know, that it's definitive that the Chiefs got worse by trading for Frank Clark. And as you pointed out with the culture shift, same culture shift when they brought in Tyron Matthew, like that was important. I don't know how important it was. I don't know how to quantify it in wins or anything like that. You can't quantify it. You can't. But you can sort of get a sense if you follow the team and if you, you know, pay attention to kind of how they responded to questions and stuff like that. Like the team got nastier when they added the Shark and Honey Badger. There's no question about it. And that championship swagger literally directly after 2019 is is the last four years and led to three Super Bowl appearances and two rings. And yeah, I... I don't look back on the trade like disparagingly. Like I think that they did what they had to do to try and get a premium edge rusher in the NFL. And that doesn't always work, but at least it wasn't a total abject failure. At least it wasn't just something where they traded for a shitload of picks and money for a guy that just never did anything. And they had to cut or something. I mean, he's here now four years later and, and we're still talking about maybe bringing him back for a fifth year. So like, you know, uh, all things considered, it wasn't horrible. The lesson to take away from both the Orlando trade and the Frank Clark trade is that even the Chiefs' failures are successes, right? Like, (laughs) it it was not an abject failure. Like, you could argue that both of these moves made the team worse and that if you went back and did them over again, like, you could certainly make an argument that they should not have done that. And with the benefit of hindsight, like, but they also won two Super Bowls in four (laughs) years. So it's like... They're the winningest team in the NFL in this time. They worked out, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they worked out. And, uh, yeah, it just is – it's crazy. How often should it work? Sure, exactly. All right. How often should it work out? Should should a team be able to win four Super Bowls in four years? (laughs) I don't know. No team's ever done it. So, like, if they make better moves, maybe. But, like, it's pretty hard to complain about the results for both of these trades, even though, you know – when you really break down the cost benefit analysis for each of these individual players, it maybe doesn't quite add up. Let's talk about what is happening. So boy, uh, a lot going on this week around the league and it's pretty much quarterback driven. It's quarterback league. It's a, uh, you know, quarterback news cycle that we're dealing with this week ahead of free agency. 
First, a couple of moves that really don't affect the Chiefs all that much, but they're kind of worth mentioning. Derek Carr, former Raider, signs with the New Orleans Saints. And on Monday, Danny Dimes, <laughs> Daniel Jones, returning to New York on a four-year, like, what, 160, 170 yeah. million dollar deal, like 40 yeah. something million dollars a year, uh, returns to New York. And boy, uh, Okay, what? I mean, a lot of people kind of analyze this Daniel Jones situation for the Giants as like they really had no good options with him. I mean, they could have, I guess, maybe tagged him and kicked the can. Yeah, they could have tagged they him. Could've, they could have tagged him. But like the Giants aren't going to get a franchise quarterback. They're just, they're just, that's not, that's not going to happen for them. So they're going to go. DNA. It's sure. not. It's just, they're, they're Eli Manning's team. And they're going to go through this process and they're going to run Daniel Jones out there and they're going to pay him all that money, Danny dollars. And he's not going to be that good. And the New York media is going to be like, what happened to the giants? And like, I mean, it's just, it's tales old as time. And they're, they're stuck. They're stuck behind obviously Jalen hurts in their division, but like, they're just kind of stuck behind the times. And I don't know. I think it's too bad that, Danny Daniel Jones is going to kind of get I mean th this contract is a big ass contract and every time people talk about him from here for a while they're going to talk about him in relation to how much money he makes compared to other quarterbacks that is going to now be the standard for him and I don't know if that's fair because he does he's never lived up to that standard he's never been that player and no. yet they paid him like he was and he had a good run this year. He was, he was fine. They didn't play very many good teams and it's not like he was otherworldly, but like he had a, he had a decent run for them and I don't know if they'll regret it, but um, it's not my money. So uh, good luck to the New York giants. Hopefully they can knock off a team or two that the chiefs are rooting against. Uh, Patrick Mahomes signed his extension three years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Three 20, years ago. Now. Yep. 20, 2020. And he signed for 10 years, $450 million. He did. Which is an average annual salary of $45 million. And Daniel Jones is now making $40 million a year. Mm -hmm. And I just want to take this opportunity to tell anyone who may have said that the Patrick Mahomes deal was terrible and was going to hamstring the Chiefs anytime over the last three years. I'm just going to remind you that you don't know ball and you didn't no. know what you're talking about. And you're a moron. And everybody that that knew an ounce of ball, that knew any <laughs> ball at all, knew that this was coming, predicted it coming three years ago. Right. And now get to right. rub this in your stupid face because it's crazy how good the Mahomes contract is. It's the it's, best contract in sports. It's unfair. It's like the best contract in the history of sports. Yeah. So, it may be know. the best contract in the history of contracts. I mean, yeah. it, it's seriously – it's as good as a contract as he is as a player. Like it's yeah. just, it's crazy. And you know, we didn't even mention Geno Smith signed a three oh, year, sure. $75 million dollar deal with the yeah, Seahawks. That actually was my favorite of those three deals. Uh, right. And, and sure. I mean, and Gino clearly has shown between like, who would you rather have for the next three years? Gino Carr or Danny Dimes, like Gino, Gino. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Gino. Gino. And it, I mean, you know, he's getting $28 million a year and that's going to feel, I mean, it's just, it's so funny because we haven't seen the other shoe drop with all these superstar quarterbacks. That are oh, about we're going to talk paid. about that. Yeah, right. But, about that. but like, it's already 
starkly apparent that Mahomes is hilariously underpaid and it's about to become much more apparent. Speaking of quarterbacks, Jets are trying to obtain the services of Aaron Rodgers. Hasn't happened yet. It's uh it's Thursday night. Free agency starts on Monday. Uh you'd think that uh that uh, they they'd want to know who their quarterback is and how much they're going to pay him before they go to free agency. Uh, but nothing has happened yet. Any thoughts about Aaron Rodgers, potentially the Jets? Um, it's funny to follow in the far footsteps of being a I mean, just, legendary Green Bay yeah. quarterback being traded to, to the Jets in the twilight of your career. I mean, that's that's just a funny – I mean, hopefully he doesn't now go – you know, defraud some Medicare or whatever, you know. All I thought you were going to say, hopefully he doesn't play for the Vikings after that. Or <laughs> or that, but I would much rather, if he's not going to follow in Favre's footsteps. Yeah, you know, yeah, we don't want him committing Medicare no, fraud. And, no, yeah, just, but no. as far as what it means for the Jets, it's fun. It's, it's cool. It's like, I have nothing against the Jets. They have a good roster. They're a quarterback away. They play against the Bills, Dolphins, and Patriots six times a year. So, like, and I mean, Chiefs every time. This year. Yeah, yeah, right. And the Chiefs this year, which will be, if, if it is Rodgers, then we finally are going to get the Mahomes v. Rodgers, hopefully, that we never mm. got in the yeah, two maybe. attempts with Green Bay. Maybe, unless uh, something happens there. But um, it's it certainly makes the Jets, like, like I would say right third a third of the chance to win the AFC East with the Dolphins and Bills like I, I I give all three of those teams about an equal crack with obviously the Patriots being dead and buried in hell where they belong um <laughs> and that's fun that's cool for me I I would love for the Jets to you know knock the Bills down a peg and knock Tyreek and Tua down a peg and uh go go in there and tussle with them yeah I I've done a complete 180 on this from last offseason in which yeah, you guys listened to the podcast last year. If not, I guess you can go back and listen to it. But come on, sure. it happened a year ago. They were bangers. I mean, they were great episodes. We put out great our content. Baby. And, you know, you're welcome to go back and check it out. But for those of you that did not listen to it, I was very, very annoyed this time last year when teams were making moves. Russell Wilson was coming to the AFC. Deshaun Watson was staying in the AFC. Mm-hmm. You know, all these moves that were going on, it felt like – too much potentially and then of course Tyreek like left you know he was getting he got traded to the Dolphins this year I don't give a fuck like I nope. mean the Chiefs have two rings literally nobody can touch us and nope. you know it's just another fun obstacle for us to uh remove and crush on our way to another championship so bring on Aaron Rodgers to the Jets sure can't wait for the NFL to make the Chiefs play two teams at the same time oh yeah uh let's talk about Let's talk about quarterbacks under the age of now. I was going to take a shot at the older quarterbacks. I, I guess Dimes, you know, Dimes is 25. Dimes is a young uh, guy. Yep. Yeah. But we've got, we've got young quarterbacks up for extensions. Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. I heard Charles Robinson on the Yahoo podcast say that the people he talked to at the Combine said that Joe Burrow was going to get between 55 and $60 million a year, <laughs> which is a lot more than $45 million a year. Oh my God. Uh, they're going to have to pretty, sell that franchise. They're literally going to have to sell the franchise to somebody with more money. To Joe Burrow. Yeah, right. Exactly. Their owners broke ass, can't afford that deal. But 
Another guy that has been eligible for an extension for two full years and does not have one is Lamar Jackson, the Ravens quarterback. They placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on him on Monday, which means another team can come in, sign Lamar to an offer sheet, and the Ravens have a week to either match that exact offer sheet, in which case they get to retain Lamar Jackson with this new contract that this other team has negotiated, or the other team gets him, signs him to the, the deal, it goes active, and they have to give up two first-round picks. And I don't know what's weirder, the fact that the <laughs> Ravens did this and yeah. like allowed people to come in and swoop Lamar if they wanted, or the fact that nobody seems to want to come in and swoop Lamar. <laughs> yeah, it's – um, I don't know – how to take what these teams have said quite at face value about their interest in Lamar. I don't know if it's posturing. I don't know if it's maybe I mean, some misinformation right about agency. It is. And it a is. month before the draft. So I get it. You know, like there, there's always this level of espionage between all these teams. Um, but at the same time, if you do take that, all these teams saying that they're out, at face value, which would be quarterback needy teams like the Falcons and the Panthers and the Raiders and, you know, teams that very clearly seem like they would be easy, obvious fits for Lamar. And several of them have come out and told their beat reporters or whoever through the grapevine that they are not going to be players for Lamar Jackson, which, I mean, A, it, why? Why say you're not even going to talk to him? What does right. that accomplish? You know, right. and B, why aren't you going to talk to him? Like, <laughs> why do you not want to bring in a former MVP? You know, uh, it just doesn't really, it doesn't add up. I get the negatives about Lamar that he's missed time recently. He's missed the last two Decembers. He has had these weird stomach issues where he's like, not only ran off the field a couple times, but missed a couple games and been missed practices and stuff like his, his health has been a little questionable for sure. And he's a smaller guy that runs at quarterback. And that typically historically has not been uh, the best recipe for longevity. And if and he, people think he can't throw and people think he can't throw, even though if I you're mean, an NFL team, you know that he can, but like, that's more of like a reputation type of thing. Sure. But if He's asking the other the other kind of factor here is that he wants a fully guaranteed contract. He doesn't just want, you know, two hundred million dollars. He wants two hundred and fifty or forty million dollars guaranteed. He wants more than Deshaun Watson and he wants every penny of it in his bank account guaranteed. And I just don't know if he has put together the consistent level of production that warrants a fully guaranteed contract. And I, I mean, I could see if I was an ownership group and they were like, well, we have to come up with an offer sheet for this guy and he's not going to sign anything unless we're unless it's fully guaranteed. And like, I don't want to give him a fully guaranteed contract. So it is kind of a rock and a hard place for these teams. They do want a franchise quarterback, but like, I just don't know if he is the right fit. I don't know. It's weird because at, at the other side, he seems like a great fit. It's just I'm I'm torn on. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting because, it, you know, with the franchise tag, I mean, it does mean that, you know, if a team wanted to come in and swoop him, the Ravens do have a week to match it. And I guess, you know, week before free agency, maybe that's not the best timing to, you yeah. know, at that, at that point, I, I do see a certainly a, a 
opportunity costs if you are you know signing lamar to an offer that he may not ultimately take and you're costing yourself you know a chance to go out and spend in free agency because you have 32 million dollars or whatever you know sitting on your cap that you're not actually using and you can't actually use i get that but it is it is odd i i would be really surprised to see i mean at this point it seems kind of unlikely that he's going to go back to Baltimore. I mean, I think so too. Their relationship seems bad pony up, but, but their relationship seems bad. And, you know, I mean, it just is hard to, you know, even if he goes out there and, you know, the Ravens are right. I mean, just similar to the conversation we just had about Orlando. Yeah. If Lamar goes out there and realizes that the Ravens are right and nobody wants him, it's not going to make him feel better about the Ravens not wanting him. <laughs> no, I like, no, it's, it's just going to make him feel worse in general. He's just going to want to sit out next year. I mean, just, and just pout. I mean, sure. Yeah. And in, in contrast, you know, if he goes out there and finds out the teams are willing to pay him a lot more, he's not going to the Ravens. I mean, he's gone. Yeah. He's out. Can we talk about our preferred destination for Lamar, which we both share? Oh, yes. Of course. The fight in Detroit Lions. I yeah, mean, the Detroit Lions. That can so you imagine Lamar suiting up and throwing to Amon Ra and Jamison Williams? And I, I mean, they are, they're fun. They're super fun. They got yeah, DeAndre Swift. Yeah. They got Jamal Williams. That, I mean, it's, it's a good time if you're a Detroit fan right now thinking about, I mean, I know they golf, golf had a good year last year and I'm sure if they go in next year with him, they'll be fine. But uh boy talk about just dreaming for a second and thinking about a guy like Lamar coming in and juicing that already 30 point a game dynamic offense I mean that would be a blast it would be really fun and it would be even more fun to watch it from the AFC and watch him go (laughs) rule the NFC because he would I mean it would be him and Jalen Hurts one and two I, I you know in some order depending on you know what you think of those two guys like I I don't even know really who else is in the conversation for best quarterback in the NFC. Like, I don't know. Mac. Yeah. I mean, Kyler. No, Kyler, I know. Probably not. not. What year? We're gonna we're gonna literally yeah. rank the quarterbacks in the mailbag segment, so we don't need yep. to speculate. But yep. uh, it's it's a very interesting situation that we have going on here with Lamar, and you know what happens with him could certainly inform what's going to happen with Burrow, Hertz, and Herbert. You know, Mahomes was the first quarterback from his class to get his mega deal done. And really, if you go back and look at all the extensions that have gotten done with quarterbacks, you know, that are, you know, getting paid after their third year, it's rough. It's rough, but it's also, I mean, Mahomes got done in early July and that was by far the earliest Ah, contract to get done. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, like Lamar has, I, I, I don't think Herbert or Burrow or Hertz, those contracts probably aren't going to get done until Camp. You know, early July at the very earliest based on when Mahomes got his done. And at, at the latest, I mean, Josh Allen's was in camp. Um, we've had other quarterbacks signed, you know, right before the start of the season. Um, and I mean, Lamar probably will have a new contract by then, which you would think will affect the contract negotiations for all three of those guys. It certainly will. Each one of those guys too will will be kind of a little bit of a ripple effect where you know they're if, gonna be playing if, chicken with each other. If Hertz is the first one to sign, she probably yeah. will be because Howie Roseman is a is a, is a G <laughs> and he's gonna, you know, he's gonna come in, he's gonna get it done. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna drive the price up for the other two guys, which is gonna yeah. be great for us. And we one. just gonna sit back and laugh. 
because we have the best quarterback in the world and we're going to pay him way less money. Joining us on the show for what must be like the, I think like the eighth time. It's, it's He's great. definitely our, our, our most <laughs> prolific most guest. guest. Yes, that's right. Although Randy Gisarelli is fast on your heels. Uh, this is film analyst for FF Astronauts. He's on RGR Football on YouTube. He's got NF, his Substack at NFL33.com. He's doing Twitch. He's doing TikTok, both at InHarmsWay19, which is also his Twitter account. You know him. You love him. It is our guy, Daniel Harms. What is going on, Dan? Man, just listening to all the crap that I do every single <laughs> day, week, month, year, man, it's it's something else. But I love, I, I absolutely love coming on here with you guys. You guys have a great podcast, you're great hosts, and you're great friends on Twitter. So this is just a great time talking with the boys. Like This is my favorite <laughs> shit to do. <laughs> we love it too, buddy. We, uh, we appreciate you coming on, and the people appreciate you busting your ass and, and being on all your platforms and giving everybody oh, the, yeah. the film insight. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun to talk ball with someone like you that is so, you know, plugged in and, and knows your shit. I mean, it's definitely not like for us, it's not like talking with the boys because our boys, let me, let me be honest, <laughs> kind of dumb, kind of not, not really uh, as into it as Austin and I are. So we super appreciate that. Um, you know, first, before we get into like the nitty gritty of, of what's going on in the off season, Dude, we haven't talked to you since the, the playoffs. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. How really? Great that? You know, it feels like yeah. I blink and it's all this is all over. And, it's and, all blur. Yeah, man. It feels like the Super Bowl was months ago. I don't know it what does. you did. And that's the crazy thing about as soon as we transfer over to draft season, like I'm done. <laughs> like I forget, yeah. I forget everything. But being a Chiefs fan does allow me a little to have a little bit of an insight into actually being a fan because that's what I did first. You know, I watched football. Right. I was a Chiefs fan. Like I didn't even um, get into this until 2008. You were grinding tape when you were yeah. six. No, <laughs> like that shit was not what I was doing. And I wanted no. to play football, obviously, but you know, you join the military, you, you get married, things fall by the wayside, you try college. And then you're just like, no, this stuff is not <laughs> for me. Um, I actually tried writing three or four times before I got onto Twitter. Twitter is okay. what did it for me and the Hell got yeah. everything nailed down. So I have a lot to thank for that. And then just watching the Chiefs go from complete and utter dog shit organization yeah. to Andy Reid. And then we're like, okay, you know, <laughs> all right, we, we got something brewing here. Funny enough, we can credit the success of the Kansas City Chiefs to my wife, who started watching the very first year that Andy <sighs> Reid was the head coach. Ah, oh, um, we nice. appreciate her service <laughs> yes. very much. Uh, tell me about it. It's funny. We were talking about last night, and we're like, the Chiefs have won two Super Bowls, and they've been to three Super Bowls in four years, and they won two of them. And I said, thank you. And she's like, no, you're welcome, because I started watching in 2013. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Amazing. you're right. So being able to live in this time and actually cover – the Chiefs talk about them every single day of my life and everything. Like it's it's an incredible thing that we get to witness. And when you every time I think about the Super Bowl, like I have my screensaver as Patrick Mahomes lifting the Vince Lombardi trophy. Like that's what, that's what it is. Um, and I look at it and you can actually smile because this is real. This is actual real stuff. So it's Unlike any time in Chiefs fans' history, and we are living in the best time to be Chiefs fans. So, I mean, it, it, it's something else. I'm watching them win that Super Bowl. 
in February again from another double digit halftime deficit. Mm. It just doesn't get any better. It doesn't. You could almost say it's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Oh, almost. Boom. Dan, I guess to get this conversation started, I, I kind of wanted to blend, you know, a little bit of celebrating the Super Bowl, a little bit of, you know, looking at, you know, guys you're excited about for next year. I know, obviously, you know, this time last year after the Chiefs put together what would end up being a historic, let's be honest, rookie class um, that you came on and broke down a lot of those guys that you were interested in. Um, I just wanted to ask, you know, a lot of first year Chiefs, not necessarily rookies because we've got Kadarius Tony in there, but first year Chiefs made huge contributions in the Super Bowl 57 win. Obviously, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Leo Chanel, uh, the rookie defensive backs. And I guess just to kickstart this conversation, you know, as we get into free agency and, and draft talk, who are you most excited about amongst those first year Chiefs guys that are going to be coming back, you know, going into 2023? You know, I'd love, I would love to say Kadarius Tony. Like that oh, would be I like, would love for you to say Kadarius Tony. <laughs> I'd love to. Until but we he's get... gonna say Justin Ross. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not the casual Chiefs fan that says that under every single post about a wide receiver. <laughs> so that's a no. And you know, like, like I said, I want to say Kadarius Tony because I know from what we've seen that the Chiefs have big plans for him. His body also has big plans for him. We just don't Ooh. know what they are. Hopefully, he can stay stay healthy. But I'm actually most excited to see Brian Cook in year two. And the reason is because I'm very positive now, two weeks after I I said, I think Juan Thornhill will be in Kansas City. I'm very positive that now he will not be in Kansas City. Uh, After I watched the safeties go to the combine, I was like, this the safety class is not very good. Um, Their tape also isn't very good. There probably is maybe one that gets drafted in the first round. Maybe, maybe right. none. I don't know. One's going to get a bag. Uh, so teams are going to be going after one Thornhill, who is the second best safety on the market. I believe outside of Jesse Bates, who's not going back to Cincinnati. The, Cincinnati. Yeah. So we're looking at a guy who's going to be a second year who's starting to get a little bit more playing time down towards the end of the season in the postseason, like every rookie that was in Kansas City did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he made some plays. Obviously, he had a bonehead mistake in the uh, AFC Championship game, allowed a touchdown on double move. Uh, but then he comes back, helps deflect the pass to Josh Williams for an interception in the AFC Championship game. And the growth, that, that I mean, that game, that those two plays signify, in my opinion, the Chiefs rookie class. Early on, you're like, what are we doing here? Like, we don't really know what's going to happen. We're playing tons of rookies. They don't know what's going on. But, you know, they, they seem to get lost a little bit. And then we see in big spots, in big games, down the stretch in the postseason, they're making plays. And I, and I truly believe he's not a single high guy, by the way. This is not a one Thornhill replacement. Sure. But he's going to be asked to play more. Single high, a little bit here and there. Justin Reed will be taking over a lot of those duties. But he's got – he's going to be the starter with Justin Reed. So that's what you're looking for. You're looking at a guy who's going to come at, come down into the box and be able to lay hits, being more on the field. He's a physical guy, and I want to see that next year's step because after the Cincy game in the regular season, Justin Reed stopped messing around. He actually uh-huh. – he was excellent all the way through the postseason. He was covering guys one-on-one, and I really think that with – an offseason with Justin Reed, the mental side from Reed can help Brian Cook develop because he's not a sure, you know, he's not a 
Juan Thornhill level athlete when he was coming out of Virginia, but he's not a bad athlete by any stretch. He can do a lot of different things, come down, play in the box, and he can also blitz, you know, come downhill, but also play coverage. He's not going to necessarily cover anybody one-on-one, but, you know, I'm excited to see what Justin Reed can bring to that mental development because physically he's got a ton of the skills to be a really good safety in the NFL. It's all about the mental game now. And I think that Justin Reed's going to be able to rub off on him and help do that. So, um, like I said, Brian Cook is the guy I'm most excited to see because he's stepping into the most playing time of just about anybody uh, of the rookie class. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, he definitely is going to have a bigger role. And, I mean, all these guys are going to have a, a much, much bigger role next year, which is crazy. And, and you know, it's wild to have a guy that the, is being paid as much as Mahomes is, and yet there are so many young, cheap, contributors on this roster they're really a fascinating roster um free agency is now right on the doorstep starts next week and there are holes absurd by the way it is absurd we just literally got done playing football yeah right it it does feel like it was last month but it also feels like it was yesterday it's like this weird time paradox where I, i have really no idea what moment of free agents or of the offseason it is but it is free agency and the chiefs have holes at both tackle spots um Number one, did the non-franchise tag of Orlando Brown surprise you? And then number two, does it concern you? It absolutely surprised me. Like I was very openly adamant about tagging him one more year, drafting your tackle, and then say, we, we love you, Orlando. You did a great job. We <laughs> won the Super Bowl with you. See ya. You're done. You got your money. We're done with you. The Chiefs were like, yeah, about that. <laughs> we don't think you're worth $20 million a year, and we aren't going to pay you that much, specifically this season. Now, we still have until Tuesday for them to get a contract done. I don't think that's going to happen myself because Orlando Brown thinks he's worth $23 million a year, and that's just not going to happen. It's also not true. And I believe that the Chiefs also believe that they can get Orlando Brown production for 10, 12 million dollars a year on a one-year mm-hmm. contract and draft a tackle. That's my most that's what makes the most sense to me right now. Um and I'm I'm gonna be very honest with you. I forgot the second part of your question. All right, does it worry? Is <laughs> it, you know, it's one thing if it surprised you, but then okay. are you sitting there going like I would have rather had Orlando this year, or you know, are we pretty much trusting Veach at this point and just see how the cards land? I mean, where are you at as far as your level of concern with the tackle situation? I'm, I'm only a little bit concerned because they have technical openings at both spots. Right. And I don't think Lucas Niang is going to play. I granted he was on the field last mm-hmm. year uh, in, yeah. the, in the postseason. In the Super Bowl, or in the in the Super Bowl, yeah. After yeah. the the but Wiley play that he was ineligible. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're right. Yeah, barely. So it's hard to know what what's going to happen there. I'm actually more confident now than I was before the you know, before the end of the season that Andrew Wiley will be back. I've kind of said he'll be back, okay. and I expect now that he will be. I don't know if his market will be there. And especially with Orlando Brown kind of absorbing some of that on the open market, we'll see kind of how their respective situations unfold. But I do. Sorry to interrupt, but do you think a team is going to pay Orlando what he wants? No, I don't. Definitely. Oh, I think they will. I think they will. I I think they're desperate. It's not because because smart. Only because it's such a it's such a weird anomaly for a 
left tackle to be on the market at his age. So That's- here's the thing. The Chiefs came out after the combine, the day after the combine ended, and said they were not placing the tag on on Orlando Brown. Oh, that's interesting. Right. The combine right. is where everybody goes. They have their their meetings <laughs> with players. They talk yeah. to other GMs. Yeah. I guarantee you, the Chiefs gauged his trade market because obviously, Good if you point. tag, you can tag sure. and trade him. And sure. teams were like, "Yeah, I don't we're think good. so." <laughs> Maybe on the open market, but they're also going to try to negotiate that down. So, sure. granted, obviously, tagging and trading is one thing because you're accepting the contract for what it is, and you're also giving up draft capital. But at the end of the day, I think the Chiefs felt comfortable enough that they were like, okay, we're not going to tag it because we don't think your market is what you think it is. And, I, and right. at, at the end of the day, like I said, that's what is going to gauge this whole situation out. And they might want him to also be confronted with his own situation. He's been dealing with only the Chiefs. That's it. Obviously, you can't talk to anybody else while you're under contract because it's tampering. So he has no idea what his market is. He's about to get an idea of what his own market is. And some reality might kick in here. And you might have a pretty good in Kansas City making $19 million a year for a super perennial Super Bowl contender. Unlike somewhere else where you won't and you'll be maybe pay $21 million a year. But yeah. my my opinion on the left tackle situation, the tackle situation going forward, is if they didn't have Andy Heck, I'd be much more concerned because they've really done a great job of coaching up some of the younger players on this. Andrew Wiley uh, is a backup right tackle, is a backup swing tackle, and yet He's been their starter the last two years, and they've you know been playoffs. They won a Super Bowl Bowl with him at right tackle. So I'm pretty confident in their ability to not only bring in a veteran guy for a year if they have to, draft a tackle, develop that route, but also if they say we're just gonna we're gonna go balls to the wall and we're gonna get a, a tackle in the first round, we're gonna trade up, and that's what we're gonna do. He's gonna be our starter next year. That's um very, very aggressive, and it's very, very Brett Beach, but I, I'm more leaning to trusting how they're going through the process. I, I do think this is also a very good tackle class, so if they were to do that and try to get go up and get their guy, this is the year to do it. Well, Dan, that's exactly what we're going to ask you about next. In fact, tackle is literally the first thing on my list of things to talk about from the Combine. Obviously, we just wrapped the Combine last week. I know you have been up to your eyeballs in tape for months now. So let's talk draft. The Chiefs have 11 picks at this point. They got another compensatory pick. We knew that was coming, but it was officially announced today. And despite, you know, really knocking last year's draft out of the park, uh, you know, the reality of the situation, having a quarterback that's making a lot of money and, you know, now the uh, the highest paid quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl, uh, still some holes to plug. Obviously, Orlando is one of those. Would you say that left tackle is their number one need, assuming they're not? And, and to be clear, I mean, obviously, you're there's no Trent Williams, you know, in, in free agency this year. There's not a guy that you could necessarily mm-hmm. go out and, and blow out um, in the free agent market. Is that Maybe their number one need in the draft is that, you know, if you had to predict now what the pick is going to be uh, at 31, is that maybe the way you're leaning? If you don't bring in, you know, if Orlando Brown doesn't come back, yeah, I think that there's no op- there's there's no other way. Protecting Patrick Mahomes is, is number one, period, sure. with the bullet. That you don't, right. yeah, defense is great and all. 
You've got a ton of draft picks over there from last year, and you're going to have more throughout the rest of this draft. But getting your tackle of the future, and I think that the way that they have, it's been reported is key. This offseason is they plan to nail down their left tackle of the future. Period. End of story. Because that has been reported, that tells me their first round plan is tackle. That's it. Unless they sign Orlando Brown, that's the only thing, in my opinion, that can change the course of action for what they're doing in the first round. And obviously you have trade assets. You have a third. You have a second round pick. You've got multiple fourths, I believe. And then you have have ammo to move up in the draft. However, this ends up going. I know there's been rumor, speculation that they could trade Legereus Need. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, but that's where it would be where more ammo comes in if that would be, again, the plan to go about. But when you have a left tackle problem and they're about to be in one where they don't, they, they literally don't have one on the roster. Sorry, guys. Prince Teo Winogo is, yes. is not the guy. And Lucas Niang can't play. We don't know if he can play. Right. He's not going to be left tackle for sure. He's a right tackle. I know he's athletic, but come on now. So this is the draft. This is the offseason, whether it's through the draft or trade. I don't know about trade yet. That's an interesting topic of discussion as well. If you could trade for a left tackle of the future. But yeah. whoever it is, whatever way it comes about, this offseason, we will know the plan at left tackle for the foreseeable future. Is there a 1% chance that Tooney kicks to left tackle, or is that 0%? Zero. There is absolutely yeah. a 0% chance, unless e- in-game emergency, as we've seen. Right. That's it. Right. Okay. So, Dan, then, if if that's the number one need, which makes sense, um, you kind of already addressed it, but this is a good tackle class, right? Yep. So, who are some of the guys that and, – and to be clear, I mean, we're not – we're not Taylor and I are not super invested in the combine, which is why we love having you on. But like, I, I watch it. I, you know, watch the numbers roll in and there are some freaks in this class. It seems like, (laughs) so who, who are kind of your guys uh, that we could maybe reasonably expect the chiefs to, you know, either possibly get at the end of the the first round. Uh, The chiefs do have the 31st pick, the last pick of the first round because Miami forfeited theirs. Uh, And of course they have, you know, some ammo to move up as well looks like you know we may get four quarterbacks going in the top 10 which is obviously great for the chiefs since we don't need a quarterback pushing you know some other players down the board but who are your guys who who, who do you see as a, a possible fit there's like i said there's a ton of tackles in this class like there's probably going to be four or five that go in the first round and i know darnell Wright out of tennessee plays right tackle i think he's athletic enough to play left but that's again hmm, you're uh, you're asking him to learn a whole new position that's not sure. your plan year one if if your plan is to draft on all right transfer him to left tackle you're going to have a, a a guy in there whether it's you know taylor lewan or it's it's a one of these one-year guys that have that you can say we're well, going to be here for one one year that's it and hopefully you can get your contract elsewhere that you're looking for it's not going to be here you're going to be here a stopgap so we can develop this tackle uh but I, like i said i think he could He's probably just going to be a right tackle in the NFL. He's a very good tackle. Anton Harrison, Oklahoma offensive tackle. I just did a film breakdown on RJ football about him. He's the guy I have circled. If the Chiefs stay at 31, I don't think he's going to be somebody hugely soft, sought after early in the first round. Uh, but you also have this wiggle room like around the 20s where they could trade up if they absolutely need to. We know 
that the Chiefs hear things because they sniped the Bills last year going to get Trent McDuffie. Mm. They have a pretty good understanding of where they need to move up to get the guys that they're looking for. So whether it's Anton Harrison, I don't, I think Broderick Jones, Georgia uh, offensive tackle is going to go in the top 12, top 15 ish area. If he ends up sliding, watch for the chiefs to trade up for him. I, I tell you right now, if he's there around pick 19, 20, the chiefs will write it down, write it down right now. They will trade up to draft Broderick Jones. If he is there around 20, I, I promise you they so they love up to get him because he's the same type of build you're looking for in the NFL. He is not a finished product by any stretch at left tackle, but he is huge, long arms, athletic. He gets out on the move. Watch out. He's going to knock you over. So I'm a big fan of Broderick Jones. He's my offensive tackle one in this class. I think he's going to go inside the top 12, but I also thought Chet McDuffie was going to go inside the top 12 last year. He ended up falling out and into the 20s. So again, this is pretty deep class as well there's guys that you can get in the second round if that's what you're looking for blake freeland out of byu is a very athletic uh, i was guy. gonna ask about blake byu <laughs> yeah obviously <laughs> we andy know Reed, the chiefs love that you know andy right. reed's got this guy circled like if we stay at 31 i'm gonna take this dude anyway <laughs> because he plays at byu cody mock i'm uh, out of North, North dakota state i'm more thinking he's probably going to be like at the back end of the second round kind of tackle. I think he can play swing anywhere center guard tackle. They had him playing all those positions at the senior bowl. So I got to see him a little bit there. I know one more sleeper in the second round is Jalen Duncan out of Maryland, a very athletic guy that can play tackle probably needs more fine tuning than Broderick Jones and Anton Harrison and break Freeland. But you have the athletic upside there again, stop gap tackle and then develop some of these guys. The guys that those tackles all played against in college, the edge rushers are obviously another, um, you know, big, big piece of the draft, obviously with the departure of Frank Clark. And really, even if he were to come back, edge has been a position to need in Kansas City for pretty much every year because they really haven't had elite talent there since Houston and Hollywood. Uh, how do you see the edge class first? I guess just overall, what are your impressions on the class and we know the Chiefs have their types when it comes to edge. Who are some of those guys that might fit those criteria? Yeah, this is it's a much better ta- uh, defensive end class than it was last year. That's good news for the Chiefs. Again, we t- you talked about ta- the quarterbacks going into the top 10. That's going to help this corner class. Is also going to help the Chiefs. They got four of them last year. Uh, that won't stop them from taking another one later, but the top guys are going to go early. It's going to push some of these guys down. So that's always a good thing. I know people love Nolan Smith and Will McDonald. These guys are outside linebackers. I, I'm sorry to to hurt your hearts. I would love, <laughs> yeah, I would love for Joe Cullen to have a little more influence on some of the defensive end prospects that you get to look at. We're gonna find sure. out this year if he does. And if he does, I am going to. Uh, I don't, I really don't know what I'm gonna do yet. I'm probably gonna cry a little bit. <laughs> be so thankful that they start taking some of these guys because uh-huh. that would put somebody like Will McDonald on their radar, even though he's a terrible, terrible, terrible run defender. You just can't do it. He's just not a very isn't, good run defender. Isn't that kind of the direction the league is going a little bit? I mean, not not just like, obviously, you know, in the trenches, but like just in general, it seems like every year the players get a little bit smaller and a little bit faster, right? And 
the Chiefs are kind of a little set in their ways when it comes to the guys that they prefer to have at edge. It's a little back and forth. Typically, you're still going to see these defensive ends be bigger. And then, obviously, when you have three fours, you have those outside linebackers that come around and play next to the defensive ends, which are also bigger. They're kind of in between defense tackle and what you see in Kansas City in terms of size and build. But outside linebackers like Hassan Reddick, for example, in Philadelphia, he's a good run defender for his size. Nolan Smith, an excellent run defender for his size. So sometimes you just kind of pick and choose, put them in the best position to succeed. Sure. But you're not going to really see a ton of guys like Nolan Smith and Hassan Reddick continue to be successful in the NFL because they just get manhandled to the point of attack. Uh, so you're looking at for fits in Kansas City. There are going to be a few guys, especially at the end of the first round, that I imagine the Chiefs will have their eyes on because of fit. Also, if Tyree Wilson falls, I it's another one that the Chiefs are just going to like zoom one hundred percent zoom in on because he's. Do you think uh, you think Patrick will uh, send a text there? <laughs> I wouldn't, this guy wouldn't shock me at all uh, if he's got any pull at Texas Tech. But uh, I promise you that he's another one that they've got circled. If he falls like Trent McDuffie did last year, they'll be going to get him. Big, long, athletic. I wasn't a huge fan of his tape, but he's extremely raw. That's part of the reason. He just doesn't really know what he's doing. Uh, high effort and really good run defender. Sounds sounds familiar. I don't, I don't know where that, that comes from, but um, it's kind of like a, a, a kind of like Steve Spagnuolo has a, a thing for guys that have sure. high energy and, and can stop the run. But you got a couple guys, like I said, at the end of yeah, the first One round. of these days, one of those guys is going to turn into, you know, uh, Khalil Mack that can stop the run, right? Like, Maybe, maybe eventually one of the one of these days it'll work. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm hopeful. That's all you want because at the end of the day, these guys could all prove me wrong. Like next year, George Kalatas could have 15 sacks and be like, "All right, I eat my words." I don't think that'll happen, but it could. It's feasible. Sure, uh, it's these the guys NFL. can develop. All all these careers go in such up and down fashion, and they guys come out of nowhere, guys that should have been, you know, all world never develop. I mean, it's it's just so hard. It is, and it's it's tough. Three guys I think that they're gonna be circling at the end of the first round. Isaiah Foskey, defensive end out of Notre Dame, be a lot a large part because again, the body type. He's six five, he's got 34 inch arms, he's 264 pounds. That screams Steve Spagnuolo. Like that's yeah. just what it is. Like that's the yep. the body type. That's the fit. That's everything. And he's very raw pass mm. rusher and, and honestly just a raw player because Notre Dame said we have this really cool, really athletic defensive end looking type. But no, you're going to play defensive tackle. You're going to play in coverage. You're going to play linebacker. You're going to play a little bit of defensive end. You're going to put your hand in the dirt. You're going to stand up. You're going to move back. They <laughs> misused this dude to no end so he doesn't Dang. know how to pass rush he, he's just kind of flailing around out there he gets a little bit lucky every now and then and using his body properly off of instinct so you have lots to develop there when you don't get the opportunity to just pass rush you know play defensive end to stop the run to hold up the, at you know set the edge to dink and dunk inside in and out of gaps you're just kind of throwing yourself out there so at the senior bowl you know he has some flashes but at the end of the day he was not a great he didn't have a great time because it's his first like specialized hey you're gonna be a defensive end in the nfl let's get you some specialized coaching so i'm upset with notre dame for that because he's you know a really good athlete 
he's strong. He ran a four five eight in the forty for a two hundred and sixty five pound athlete. That so which is really awesome. Again, body type is one hundred percent C Spagnolo, and I think that they'll be looking at him. You've also got a guy out of Georgia Tech, Keon White, twenty five years old, come next year, so a bit older. I won't say a bit, much older than people you're you're typically drafting. And there's a lot of I don't I don't understand what's going on. I'll be very honest with you guys. These analysts have propped Keon White like into the top twenties. And I don't I don't uh, under I don't understand. Don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, He's strong. A lot of it comes from the fact that Georgia Tech was like, hey, why don't you play like a four interior position where you're lined up head up almost on a guard in between that that B gap and just stop the run for us. What how does he get better as a defensive end? doing that mm. he doesn't yeah so he's yeah. got and plus there were so many times where he was stopped the run you know get in there take on double teams and you know he's super strong 285 pounds he's a big big guy and then pass passing down comes he's got no energy left to rest the pasture because he's too busy playing yeah. inside and, and then he has to kick outside and try to rush it just he did not do the 40 he didn't do the three cone drills he did the vertical and the broad and all I heard all offseason was this guy does a stud athlete. He jumped 34 inches and Broad was 9'9". Like, he didn't blow up his his explosion metrics. He also didn't run the 40, and he didn't do the agility drills, which for me is a little red flag. I got a little red flag yeah, going up. absolutely. So I'm not a huge fan of Keon White in the first round. Um, the day two, I'm all in because, again, sure. the tools, the length, the body type, the physicality are all there. The one guy that I, I think I've already seen some of the like NFL Network and ESPN and stuff like that mock to the Kansas City Chiefs is Derek Hall, edge rusher out of Auburn. I, I most likely will be there at the end of the first round. A little bit shorter, a little bit lighter, 6'3", 254 pounds. He has 34 and a half inch arms, so the length is there. He's a little bit undersized in terms of, like I said, the height and the weight, but we're talking six pounds in the weight department for a typical Steve Spagnuolo guy. Uh, ran a four-five-five, one point five nine yard, ten yard split, which is something I pay a lot of attention to. Uh, that explosion off the line. I ran. A, he had a ten-seven broad jump. Vertical was just under thirty-four inches. So, but that ten, that ten, that ten yard split was huge because I've been looking at his tape and I'm going to be doing a film review on him for the RGR Football Channel next week. Nice. And he's built like a linebacker type but he looks standing up like he's kind of like a linebacker which makes sense because he played linebacker at Auburn too before he played defensive end the last couple of years so it's nice to see on the tape that first step really help him out the problem is that Auburn liked to use him as a stand-up rusher and there's a few times where they let him put his hand in the dirt and that's when it all comes together I'm <laughs> like this guy with his hand in the dirt actually is a he's a coil he's a spring and he gets off the ball he is always trying to time his jumps too especially on pass rush downs he's like waiting he's extremely good at timing his jumps which i really love to see he's got some issues in the counter department he's talked about it at the senior bowl funny i'm talking about lots of seniors that are coming yeah. out um that sure. i should also kind of tell you <clears throat> not just about the draft class but you know these are experienced guys that i think that the chiefs would definitely be looking at so uh Derek hall 
does have some some pass rush development, but he's a really strong player at the point of attack. He has those long arms, and he's really smart. He's always looking for the football. He's got exceptional closing speed, as you tell, but four five five forty for a two hundred and sixty pound athlete. So Ridiculous. yeah, Oof. he's pretty good. <laughs> so obviously, you've got tackle, you've got a dresser. It seems like those are positions of need for the Chiefs like every year, which is crazy because they're incredibly <laughs> important positions. And yet the chiefs seem to be able to just shuffle guys in and out and get good enough production to win two Super Bowls in four years and make the AFC championship game every no single deal. year. No big deal. Yeah. No big deal. I'm not really sure how they do it. it might have something to do with Patrick Mahomes, but let's talk uh, about the guys that he's throwing to. So yeah. James Palmer obviously came out and said the plan for the chiefs is to have kind of run it back with this receiving court, which is interesting because they really slapped this receiving core together with a couple of rolls of duct tape. Uh, it obviously depends on, you know, whether they can bring back Juju Smith-Schuster, but looking at the draft at wide receiver, is this like the weirdest wide receiver class in, I don't know how long it just seems, it seems strange. Like a lot of the guys are small and also not that fast, but they they seem to have, you know, you, you got like, it seems like there's a lot of slots in this draft. Like, how do you see this draft receiver wise? And, you know, looking at the Chiefs needs, um, is there a guy that the Chiefs really could use from this draft in terms of a receiver? This is like a niche wide receiver draft. Like this is that's a good way to say. Yeah, I, I, there's not a lot of like star power, and that's when we look at the last couple of drafts. That's expectations. There were ten, you know, there were what? What was it? Like four receivers or five receivers taken in the first round last year. Before right. that, you have Jamar Chase. Before that, you've got uh, Justin Jefferson well, and like, Chase Waddle and yeah, uh, Devonta Smith all went in the top ten picks. Exactly. So like, there's been a huge. Ago precedent set for these athletes and these great wide receivers coming out this year is just it's a little down and a lot of that has to do with guys like Keishon Butte not having good years having off-field issues and then not preparing for the combine in the slightest bit at all sure that doesn't seem like good strategy all he just came in saying he's gonna run a 4-3 dude you didn't prep we have like confirmation he didn't practice. He didn't do anything. He didn't prepare yeah, for the combine. That's not a good look. That's not Did good. he run it in jeans? <laughs> I wish he would have. The four or five would have made more sense. <laughs> um, but you know, this it's like I said, when I say niche, I mean there's a you talked about slot receivers. There are tons of guys who say they can play outside in the NFL. Fact of the matter is, NFL teams aren't gonna do that. You'll get sure. your Z rep every once in a while, yet you can play. Andy Reid loves to have guys that can quote unquote play everywhere. But guess what? Sure. We we know that's just we want to see you playing everywhere. We want you to know all the routes. We want you to know what you have to do in these situations. You're not always going to be put in that situation. Like like the, the main guy that everyone talks about right now, who got tons, tons of hype is Zay Flowers. That guy, yeah. everyone's like he's played tons. 60% of his snap out of the out wide. You know, who did he play against? He was at Boston College, not exactly a, a powerhouse offensive organization playing against some of the best defenses in the country. Also, I don't think I ever saw him play against press once when I was watching him. He's consistently getting off coverage where he's able to then use his very good and very instinctual manipulation skills in his route tree to manipulate defenders to do what he wants them to do. But 
when you don't have that opportunity and, and you're behind the eight ball in the NFL because guys are bigger, they're faster, and they're stronger than the defenses you played at, at, against at Boston College. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. I, I'm like, I don't hate any of these guys. I don't. I like all of them. I like what they offer. And I really do think these niche guys like Zay Flowers will be useful. The NFL needs an injection of these slot, these yeah. gadget type players. They they desperately do because you see big, fast guys like Gabe Davis in, in, uh, in Buffalo. He's not a good route runner. He can't do much. He can't do much after the catch. He can every once in a while be wide open because they forget he's there. Yeah, well, that's fine. Austin and I have a deal where we're pretty sure Gabe Davis has never running been joke with in Gabe any Davis. Like, game he's ever literally, played. He's never made a contested catch in his entire life. It's literally like either he's like five yards open down the field or or he's doing nothing. Well, I do have a yeah. few clips from last year that I did it for a film review that he does have some contested catches. So oh, um, that ruins our meme. Yep, so. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm just here to bring facts, guys. That's <laughs> you not, are. You that's are. Much, uh, that's why uh, we appreciate you. But, you know, I there's a few guys that I do like. And I, I'm, I've been adamant that I don't think that the Chiefs should retain MVS. I'm expecting them to at this point. We haven't heard much of anything. But going forward, you're still going to need more younger X players because MVS is approaching that 30 year mark now. He's yeah. what 29 this year, I think, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So yeah. there's a guy out of Tennessee, not the guy everyone keeps talking about, who was essentially McCole Hardman 2.0, in my opinion. That's I assume you're referring to Jalen Hyatt. I am referring to Jalen yes, Hyatt, of course. But the other guy, yeah. Cedric Tillman, is a bigger. 6'3", 213 pounds. He had a bit of an ankle nagging problem this year, which took away some of his foot speed. When you go back to 2021, he put up 200 yards against Georgia, or 200 yards against Alabama, 150 yards against Georgia, and he was mm. routing dudes up. I think that he's a very good player, and I got taken a little bit of that taken from him this year with his his ankle injury, but you know, he ran a four, five, four, 40 for a six, three, 213 pound receiver. That's pretty, it's pretty damn good. A one, five, three, 10 yard split. He ran the vertical or, and the broad jump 37 inch vertical and, and a 10, eight broad jump. He didn't do the bench or the agility drills, which no receiver actually does anymore yeah. because they just, I don't know. They don't want to, um, but he's a good nuanced route runner for his size he can go get the football he has that vertical as well he's not going to jump out of a gym but you don't need that in kansas city because they don't care about that and it doesn't round we talking for him i think that cedric tillman's probably going to be a third round receiver uh maybe somebody went him in the third round you'd be fired up i'd love it i think that that would signal that they want some we, we talked about bigger guys like and what I think is so unique about how they treated offense this year, Juju Schuster was getting back shoulder throws mm-hmm, consistently. Yeah. Yep. And that's another thing that they did at Tennessee with Cedric Tillman. Like you have a guy who's big on the outside with a really nice catch radius. You know, he's got nearly 33 inch arms. That's nearly the threshold for tackle and defensive end <laughs> in, in Kansas City. So he has the big 10 inch hands. This guy is big. He's got arms. He's got hands. And I really like what he could bring in this offense if that were the way that they would go. So we're thinking probably third round, someone you could probably trade up for a little bit there. It's not going to cost as much with your two fourth rounders if you want to go get someone like Cedric Tillman. All right. One last position I want to ask you about, Dan. Uh, Travis Kelsey is 34 years old. 
Mm-hmm. He's still amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They obviously, yeah. Yeah. they obviously, you know, reduced his snaps this year. You know, use some ways to get him out in space. He's obviously like the craftiest player that's ever played in the history of the NFL. <laughs> the, the craftiest route runner in the history of football. Yeah. But someday, Travis Kelsey will need to be replaced. And I'm told that this tight end class is outrageous. And is that a position? Obviously, they they picked Noah Gray a couple of years ago, but you know he's a smaller, undersized, you know, really more of a move tight end kind of guy. Is this is this the year with eleven draft picks for the Chiefs to take to invest significant? I'm talking like a top one hundred pick on tight end. <clears throat> so I don't think they're going to. <laughs> if all right, let me let me lay out a scenario because I love this oh, scenario. I love yeah. this scenario. Last year we saw the Chiefs change their entire offense, right? Completely yes. change it. Completely. Yes. And they were the most listen closely, the most efficient 13 personnel team in <laughs> yes. the NFL. Yes. I don't think Blake Bell will be back. I actually right. am starting to lean that Jody Fortson also won't be back next year. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I, I think that leaving the cupboard, the cupboard barren at tight end with both of those guys gone might be a, a poor decision. But even if you bring Jody back, he wasn't doing much near the end of the season there. No. Especially in the postseason when he was healthy, which I found very confusing. Uh-huh. But Noah Gray you know, earned his role last year. Very good two, three good tight end. Good player. Yep. If we think about the offense is not just adding receivers as mm. adding weapons. Mm. It doesn't mm. have to be wide receiver, right? Uh-huh. You bring Juju back. You've got MVS. You have Sky Moore. You have Kadarius Tony. The weapon. And Justin Ross. And John Ross. <laughs> okay. All right. Theoretically, Sorry. yes. Sorry. You have Sorry. both Sorry. of those players. <laughs> if that floats your boat. If we're just talking about Brett Beach just continuing to add weapons, as he's always talked about, let's take that literally and add another weapon, but a guy who is probably not the most developed, but the most, arguably the most athletic tight end in this draft class. And he's also 6'7", 264 pounds. He can block his ass off. He has 11-inch hands. And 34 <laughs> and 3 8 inch arms. He wow. made a gigantic one-handed grab in the combine just to show off the athleticism. Darnell Washington oh, yes, in that's the what first I round. It would be uh, huge I mean, draft capital to take oh, this guy on. First but, round tight end. But again, we're talking about changing the way that offense is thought about and how the Chiefs go about their offense. If the teams want to play more nickel and dime combat nickel and dime like they continue to do but add those options it doesn't have to be darnell washington you can do whatever you want to in terms of the tight end group there are so many good athletes you can find them even in in, on day three luke schoonmaker out of michigan you could get i mean i think a lot of chiefs fans and this area fans like sam laporta he's a more athletic noah gray he's small he's undersized chiefs aren't drafting too undersized no. tight ends they're just not no. doing it give me no. a giant tight end a huge one About can pain? you imagine the kansas city crowd's reaction if the first round pick is a tight end yeah <laughs> i mean go, okay they, they but, but he's he's gonna be in the green room right 
as soon as he steps on the stage, I, I just want to, I just want to add, I mean, Dan painted a great picture there. Darnell Washington has a 9.90 relative athletic score. Yeah. I mean, like, he's a freak. He ran a four, six 40 and he's 264 pounds. I'm just six, saying seven. The, the crowd's not going to be draft guys. The crowd's going to be casuals and they're going to okay, hear a tight end in the first round and they're all going to freak out. Yeah. Well, but the, mean, that's why they're I all going to listen to that. That's why they're casuals. And they're going <laughs> to right. Listen to the picture that I painted because <laughs> when you think about the picture oh and the God, way freak out and the yeah. way by the way, his the ten yard one. split was one five seven. Oof, sexy. That's explosive. Bring That's him not here. Just, so I mean, he tested better than a lot of the wide receivers. Yeah, did. he did. And I'm, I'm, I, he's not going to get drafted by the Chiefs. I don't no. think he's going to get drafted by the Chiefs. The the picture is just more about understanding that the chiefs now with the way that they approached the super bowl in this this whole season where they ran the ball more out of power and mm-hmm. defenses don't want them to throw the ball so they're going to come out and nickel and dime and the chiefs andy said fine you want to play that way i'm fine playing that way i'm just going to shred you with 13 personnel and with three tight ends on the field because guess what i know how to scheme up anybody and it doesn't matter i'm the best yeah, Period. he is. And and he's got a guy pulling the trigger that's the best, too. I I keep thinking about the adaptability of Reed and Mahomes. Yeah. And, you know, when they had the fastest player in the NFL, they were like, all right, fuck it. We'll throw it deep and we'll <laughs> yeah. see what you can do about it. And then eventually people started dropping back. So they adjusted to that. Then they traded Tyreek. They adjusted to that. They just they always seem like they're one step ahead because they have you know, obviously the brain to put it together, but then they have the talent to execute. And so I'm kind of on the train that really, no matter what the Brett Veach draft plan is for the offense, like it's, it's going to work. Like they're going to be able to put a plan together and, and kind of figure it out. Um, Do you see with Eric B enemy leaving, like, do, do you anticipate much changing in the way that like the offense is called tendencies, short yardage situations, any of that stuff, or is it just way too early and we've just got to see him go out there before we kind of figure that out? I want to say things will look a little closer to 2018 because they still ran the ball pretty uh, quite a lot with Kareem Hunt. That was the yep. first year of Eric Bieniemy, if I'm, if I'm not yep. mistaken. You're right. Um, but that was right after Matt Nagy got his head coaching job. And that was still the offense that was set in place for Patrick Mahomes. He pretty much just dropped him into Alex Smith's role, and they were still running the ball a little bit more. And obviously, he's a he's a rookie, essentially a rookie at that point. So things uh-huh. were a little bit different. And, and I do think that the way this year was near towards the end of the season with them running the ball more effectively. That's what you're still going to see. At the end of the day, Andy Reid is the constructor. He's the conductor. He's the director. What a producer. Whatever you yeah, want to call him. Everything. And, and Matt Nagy has been here before. He's been here. He's done that. He's constructed a successful offense for Alex Smith. So, like, I'm not by any stretch, like, worried about what's going to happen or the differences. Yep. I think that everything will still look the same. But, like, the Chiefs, they adapt every year to something a little bit different. It's just going to be a little bit different. <laughs> it will. Well, Dana, we really appreciate your time. I know this is your, you know, your moment you're you're the draft and the combine i know it's your baby so uh we appreciate you taking some time out of your very very busy day once again dan harms you can find him at twitter in harms way 19 tiktok 
Twitch, In Harm's Way 19, RGR Football on YouTube. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> anywhere you turn on the TV someday and Dan will be there. But for now, we uh, we appreciate all your time and good luck uh, covering the draft for the next couple weeks. I'm sure you're going to be burning the midnight oil. Always. I love coming on with you guys. Appreciate you having me. And again, make sure all y'all keep supporting this podcast. It's great. I love being here and I'm hopeful that it never goes away because, you know, it's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, right? The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. We got some mailbag questions. Let's do it. Let's do it. We've got one here from our guy, Corey, the artist chief. Question for the podcast. If Mahomes for his rookie season, so 20, uh, does he, we're going to say, we're going to say 2018 Mahomes. Okay. Not not 2017 Mahomes. Corey, Uh, let us know if you meant 17, but yeah. 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 It's more interesting. I think if, if we're going with technically first year as a starter, as opposed to technical rookie, Uh, if Mahomes for his, first season as a starter replace Dan Orlovsky as quarterback on the 2008 Detroit Lions could they have won a playoff game a playoff game a single playoff game this for those of you who do not know your NFL history the 2008 Detroit Lions are a team that went 0 and 16 in the regular season they did not win a single game Corey asks could the Lions have won a playoff game I mean Here's here's what I would say. First of all, no, they they could not have. Um, but second of all, maybe if you started at the playoffs and threw them into a playoff game. Oh, sure. Said, You're saying if they're could you beat there. a playoff team? Could you beat could, a playoff team head to head? Patrick Mahomes, yeah, win the game in the play a, a one off game. Sure, anything can happen in one. Yes, game. any team now, really can win an NFL game. But your your opinion is that they could not win a playoff game. Did you know that the 2008 Detroit Lions had Calvin Johnson on the team? Ooh. So I, I, I mean, obviously, I now remember it, but if you know nothing about <laughs> the Detroit Lions. It's basically just that's your offense. It's uh, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's Calvin you know, Johnson. Megatron. I mean, that was their offense when they had Megatron. It was just Megatron. Sure. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, but now you've got a quarterback that yeah. can get him the ball. Yeah. I mean, it'd be fun. It'd be interesting what what 2018 Patrick Mahomes could do with a receiver like Megatron. And, you know, was that 2008 defense by the Lions bad? Of course. Uh, Was it worse than the 20? Was it worse than the 2018 Chiefs? I mean, yeah, Yeah. but like, but like they're in the same ballpark. Like that 2018 defense. You know who the defensive line coach was of that team? Please tell me it was Bob Sutton. No, it was Joe Cullen. 
<laughs> I mean, okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Current defensive I didn't line know coach. what Bob was up to in 08, but uh, no, yeah, no. Yeah. Their defensive so, coordinator was Joe Barry. So, you know, I mean, gotcha, it wasn't great. Gotcha. It wasn't great. No. They finished dead last at points allowed per game. I literally now, like, I couldn't really tell you looking at the defense here, like these names just there's, there's like not even, these are not even names that I, household names of like anyone that played yeah so what do you think their season record would have been with pat and that team i think they could have won six games i mean six and ten that's a big difference i mean we're talking there is a huge gap between 2008 adding six wins right i mean like every single game would have been a shootout he probably would have Mm -hmm. thrown 50 touchdowns for that team yeah by game 10 yeah i mean and by the way, it wasn't just Dan Orlovsky. He was the primary starter. He oh. started the most games for them, seven games. Was this just they John also, Kitna here? They also had John Kitna going yeah. 0 and 4. I pulled and that Dante out of my Culpepper. Ass. And Dante going, Culpepper, that's right. Going 0 and 5. That's right. So that's right. those three guys had a quarterback rating 72.6, 72.2, and 63.9. I mean, the quarterback play was atrocious. And, it was. You know I mean? Mahomes to Megatron. and. Right? Figure the rest out. I'm actually, I'm good. <laughs> You're on board. I, I'm starting to tuck myself into it. I I think they could win eight games. I'm going to sure, say eight games. Goes. They, By the end of the pod, you're going to say 10. Sure. <laughs> I, I think the answer to could they win a playoff game is clearly no, but I don't know. Let's do this. Let's do this ranking. So, okay. We got a, a mailbag question from Star Lord. Chiefs burner. He asked us to take a QB rankings quiz. So this is bladen.com, B-L-A-I-D-E-N.com slash QB-ranking-quiz. So what this is going to do, you've already taken it once, but we're going to take it here together. It's going to ask us, it's going to give us two quarterbacks, and it's basically you you just click on the one who's better? Yep. Yep. Click on the one who's better. And so we're just going to talk through who we're we're picking in in just a second of it, and we're just going to rank the quarterbacks real quick. All the quarterbacks in the NFL. You have Stafford Murray, Stafford Kyler Murray. This is hard. Yeah. Wait, what the hell? This is like <laughs> right off the top of the bat. Do uh-huh. I pick the guy that's you know uh-huh. young, athletic with upside? Do I think that <laughs> Kyler Murray has a higher ceiling than Matt Stafford? Yeah. Do I think Matt Stafford is kind of washed? You know, after last year, he didn't look healthy. Yeah. But did he win a Super Bowl two years ago? Yeah. This yeah. is this is a very yeah. difficult one. Still got a big arm. Um, Kyler's I hurt mean, now as well. Kyler's you hurt. Know? I mean, and Kyler's maybe he is not injury. quite as good as we thought Kyler yeah. was. Like, he might not be that he's good. He's fine. But, like, yeah. I know. I think this one's really tough. And I think at the end of the day, I think about an average roster, which of these two players would I rather be running the quarterback? And right now in 2023, I'm picking Stafford. Me too. Trey Lance versus Geno Smith. I once owned Trey Lance on my dynasty roster. I'm partial to Trey Lance, but I love Gino. I mean, there's no question at this stage. 2023. Who are these guys? Which of these guys is better? It's absolutely Gino Smith. Yes, it is. Uh, The next one's hilarious and a slam dunk. Taylor Heineke versus (laughs) Jalen Hurts. We are going Jalen Hurts and moving on. Yes, of course. Moving on. Okay. Dak Prescott versus (laughs) Danny Dollars. Yeah, I mean, this is is clearly Dak Prescott. He's a better quarterback. Yes. Next one is is funny. It's Kyle Trask, the incumbent starter now for the Bucks. The Trask man, Tom Brady, the Trask man, exactly. Versus Derek Carr. We're gonna click Derek Carr, but um, I kind of wanted to click Trask there, but no, we're going Carr. Sure, Derek Carr, of course. Uh, Sam Darnold versus Desmond Ritter. Oh, Yikes. goodness gracious! Yeah. This is where's a ridiculous. The, where's quiz. the bullet to the head option? 
Yeah, I mean, we're taking Desmond Ritter by default. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah know Darnold way. sucks, and we don't, I don't know, know anything sucks. about him, so I'm yeah, going to take Desmond sure. Ritter. Uh, the next one's really fun, too. Oh, Justin Fields good. versus Jared Goff. And this is like, a tough one. Goff, before this year, this last year with Detroit, I, I think, you know, I, I had low opinion of Goff, but then – he ascended, and obviously Justin Fields leveled up last year too. I think I'm going with Fields based on the age and the electric kind of playmaking, and I don't think he's had the players around him to really succeed in Chicago yet. So I'm going Justin Fields, but it's close. I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair pick, and this one is tough. This is this <laughs> is the hardest one so far. I think Justin Fields. It is Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk Cousins. Oh my god. <laughs> well. These what are, do you do? Are they all going to be this hard? This yeah, is, this they are. is like, oh man. Uh, in in 2023, yeah. do I want Aaron Rodgers or do I want Kirk Cousins? Rodgers uh, was kind of washed last year. This is like really hard. It is I, really I, hard. It is. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Rodgers, but I I'm am too, like it's I'm probably like 51 49, right? Surprised at how close <laughs> I feel like this is. <laughs> oh boy. All right, all right, here. We have to take this seriously. It is no nothing about him basically at all. Jared Stidham, incumbent quarterback for I mean, the Raiders. I know that he roasted the 49ers' amazing defense last year. Or completely washed, never want to see his ass play for my team ever, Russell Wilson. I'm going with Stidham. Yeah, we have to take He's this young. seriously. But, He's uh, dynamic. I mean, honestly, Jared like. Stidham, for it's sure. It's Stidham. Yeah, huh. Next one is funny. Oh, yeah. Well, this is obviously Patrick Mahomes. The other quarterback is. pictured is Justin Herbert. But we're, it is. We're I mean, if you're going to compare Mahomes to somebody, at least. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know at least they gave us at least they gave us a credible competitor. But it just is not. It's not really. So two uh, two Alabama guys here. Yeah. Mac Jones and Tua. Um, I mean, I got to go with Tua, although obviously the concussions have been worrisome, but like, I've never seen anything out of Mac Jones where I've been excited to pick him. So yeah, I'm I think, picking, I'm picking. I Tua. agree. I agree with that pick, but also like Tua's played in some really good offenses with people that know what they're doing with like actual good players. I'm not certain that Mac Jones couldn't like yeah, take to a spot and similar. actually be yeah. better. Maybe. But I agree Maybe. that we've we've seen it with two, and we have it with Max. So, yep. uh, Josh Allen versus Mike White. All right, it's, well, it's real close. <laughs> it's real close. But I'm taking Josh Allen by the narrowest. Oh my distance. god! The next one's freaking Sam Ellinger versus Davis Mills. I mean, uh, the, the pictures I, are just hilarious. The pictures are great. Davis Mills is obviously known for his gigantic neck. Um, I am going with Davis Mills here. I have seen a little bit of electricity out of him. I have seen none out of Sam Ellinger. So I'm yeah, I mean, Sam Ellinger got benched for Matt Ryan. Yeah, he sucks. Yeah. 2022 right. Matt Ryan. Right. They benched Matt Ryan and they were like, we're going with Sam Ellinger. And they okay, were like, if you look at that progress bar, kidding. buddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got to keep going. I got you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence over Ryan Tannehill. We're going. Yes. Yes. Easy. Uh, Burrow over Kenny Pickett. Okay. Ooh. Lamar versus Deshaun. Lamar. Hmm. Yeah. Lamar. Has to be. Deshaun sucks yeah. now. Got to be. Uh, Kyler Murray over Trey Lance. So I think we've now hit all 32 quarterbacks and now it takes what we did in those rankings and then it starts to pair them up with each other and figure out our tiers okay. so yes so now we're, we're murray versus lance murray right or murray murray versus yes i took murray yes. now okay. i have murray versus gino yes correct and okay i mean i guess i don't know I yeah mean, i i guess murray 
I guess Murray, but like I don't feel great about it. But like we I gotta... don't feel great about it either. But I don't feel like I'm gonna feel good about. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel pretty good about Daniel Jones over Taylor Heineke. I do as well. I feel great about Jalen Hurts over Daniel Jones. I agree. Uh, Jalen Hurts versus Dak Prescott. That's a really interesting one. It is a really interesting one. Dak's done it for longer. Jalen's peak was higher. Yeah, Jalen just went farther in the playoffs than Dak I mean, ever has. I think it's Jalen. I think it's Jalen. I think it is too. I think it is yeah. too. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> How do you sure. pick between Kyle Trask and Sam, Sam Darnold? Well, I think I think Sam Darnold as Kyle with Trask our previous. Yeah, I think with our. Well, no, I was going to actually go the opposite direction. Oh, I, like we did with. Uh, yeah, Stedham, with kinda. with De- Desmond Ritter is who we. Oh picked, yeah, with Ritter. Yeah, Sam okay. Darnold let's pick Trask. Because, let's pick Trask. Or picking Sam Kyle Darnold Trask. sucks. Yeah, for sure. Now, now Kyle <laughs> Trask versus Desmond Ritter. <laughs> I mean, Desmond Ritter has started the game, so it's got to be Desmond. Yeah, it's got to be Ritter versus Carr. Carr. Car, yep. Cousins Kirk Cousins and Goff. versus Jared cousins. Goff. Incredible. It's cousins. I mean, the same right. same yeah. dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's it got to be Cousins, but it he's is. been better for longer. I yeah, mean, that's that's fair. And then now this is Cousins versus Fields. I mean, how could you design two less similar quarterbacks? <laughs> how am I? How am I supposed to compare them? What criteria are we comparing them in? Uh, Justin Fields. He's younger. He runs. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. Rogers over Fields. Yep. Uh, Herbert over Wilson by a mile, oh, obviously. obviously. Herbert over Stidham by a mile. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Mac Jones, Mike White. Uh, um, Mike White. I, mean, uh, I I I took Mac. I took okay. Mac, Mac Jones. Mac Jones. I, that's fine. That's fine. Josh Allen over Mac Jones, obviously. obviously. Josh over Tua, obviously. Obviously. Tannehill and Ellinger. Tannehill for sure. Mills and Tannehill close. Um, what's your gut here? Tannehill. Probably Tannehill. Yeah, yep. I mean, he's, yep. he's still he's still decent. Jesus, Deshaun, Kenny Pickett. There's so many bad quarterbacks. Uh, Deshaun versus Kenny Pickett. I, I mean, Kenny I Pickett. Guess. Okay, yeah. I, Deshaun I mean, sucks now. Like he's he's not good. Yeah. And it's Kenny can, Pickett's it's, shown some. It's some canon. fun. It's canon. I, I'm, uh, I'm down with that. Fuck Deshaun. Yeah, Lamar over Kenny Pickett for sure. Of course. Joe Burrow over Lamar for sure. Yep, of course. Um, Lance over Heineke. Yeah, I agree with that. Jones over Lance. Yes. Gino over Jones. Yes. Dak over Gino. So now they're they're getting our our tiers, yep. right? So I, I got it. Um, but Kyler and Dak is interesting. I still go Dak here. Yeah, I do too. Uh Dak over Stafford, but it's I mean, yeah, Dak over Stafford. Yep. Um Goff, Goff over, over Darnold. Darnold. Everyone over Darnold forever. Goff, Goff over Trask. Goff over Ritter. Goff and Carr? Goff and Carr. How do we do oh, that? Ooh, that is a tough one. Oh, man, that I is mean, really hard. Oh, my God. That's actually. That's like as maybe as close as it's been. Yeah, that's a really hard question. I um, think I got to go Carr. I think but, I like, was... Goff was really good last year with the Lions. I mean, Goff made a Super Bowl. I think Goff. Carr's never won a playoff I think Goff. Game. Yeah, I think Goff. I, yeah. I'm going to go with Goff. <laughs> Mike White versus Mike Russ. White, but it's but uh, Mike White's shown some I mean, flashes, but like sure, Mike Mike White, know. he can operate an offense. Russ just <laughs> the, I love that this yeah. picture is like a mugshot of Russ. Oh, Russ looks like, so it's, mad. It's terrible. Uh, Mac Jones over Russell Wilson. I mean, uh, I have no gut feeling here at all. I mean, I mean, listen, they were both so they were both in bad offenses last year, right? But yeah, well, they're both bad. If you go back two years ago when, you know, Mac Jones was a rookie and he had an actual coach, Josh Uh Uh McDaniels was coaching him. I mean, he was pretty good. 
and Russ sucked in his last year in Seattle. Anyway. Yeah, let's go Russ back. Is, yeah, let's go sure. Mac. We're going Fuck back. Mac, yeah, yeah. Mac, 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 Mac. His name is Mac. Uh, his name is Mac. Mac over Stidham. Sure. Herbert over Mac, Mac obviously. Mac. Herbert over Herbert Tua. Over Tua. Uh, oh, Herbert Allen. Sure. Okay. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, I think Allen. Allen. Yeah, Allen, Allen. But it's. I mean, you know. Oh, it's here's close. our second. Here's our second Pat. So. Uh, oh. Well, Pat okay. over Josh. Obviously. Sure, of course, Mahomes over Allen. Yep. Obviously. Fucking. Deshaun why is Sam, Sam why is Sam Ellinger even I, I'm confused they keep, about how they keep trying to figure out who we think Sam Ellinger is better than and I think the answer is no one the answer is probably no one until we get to Ellinger until and Sam Darnold and then we're gonna get <laughs> then we're gonna have gonna, to just that's gonna be right, tough we're one. like we're like just over halfway done here I know uh, apologies for the length but this is fun um Deshaun Davis Mills uh Deshaun Deshaun uh, Deshaun Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill, sure. Uh, Tannehill, Pickett, Pickett, Pickett. Pickett. yep. Lawrence, Lawrence over Pickett. Lawrence over Lawrence. No, Lawrence over Lamar. I don't know. Sure, yeah, Lawrence, Lawrence. over Lamar. Lawrence, I, I get yeah. it. Yeah, Burrow over Lawrence. Burrow. Yeah. <laughs> Heineke over Heine- Darnold. Heineke over Donald. For yeah, sure. for sure. Heineke, Heineke over, over Trask. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Ritter over Heineke. Yeah, Ritter's our dark horse. Okay, all right. Ritter <laughs> over Heineke. Yeah, that's canon. Uh, but but Lance is better than Ritter. Yeah, Lance. I mean, Lance, Lance is a top be. three pick. Yeah, so, be, you know, and yeah, yeah, Ritter, sure. Ritter was like QB3 oh in a draft class Lance that had no car? first friend. Uh, I mean, it's Carr. Carr, yeah. yeah. Lance Jones and Carr? Uh, this is a really interesting one because they both just signed new contracts. And I mean, well, like, right. Danny Jones... Danny Jones, Danny Jones, <laughs> Davey, Danny Jones. Dimes, Daniel Jones, Daniel Dollars, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I mean, he's pretty good last year. Yeah, uh, I think I, he's, mean, I think I would rather if I'm playing a game in 2023, I would rather have yeah, Danny I'd Jones rather have Danny card. Jones. Sure, yeah, Danny Jones again. Um, Goff and Jones, probably Goff. Yeah, I think Goff. I think that makes sense. I think probably Geno over Goff. Uh, yeah, it's, it's I, pretty close, but I mean, I think that's fair. Gino showed, he I showed think that's where we're slotting him in. That's fair. Um, I think cousins over Gino. Yep. Uh, cousins over Kyle. I'm kind of out on Kyler. Yeah, me too. Cousins Cous- over Kyler. Kirk, yeah, sure. Kirk. Um, cousins Stafford Stafford. versus cousins. I mean, Stafford's really tough because you just <laughs> yeah. don't know what you he's got with the tank, but, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is always kind of the promise of being good, but not actually being good. But he's, I think he's I think numbers. we go with Stafford. Yeah, I agree. Stafford, and then Stafford over Fields. I like Fields, yes. but you know, uh, Rogers over Stafford. Yeah, I think that's fair. But it's, I mean, you know, it's uh, Dak and Rogers. Yep, tough one. Uh, I mean, Dak throws a lot. Dak of was, I think, Dak I, was better last year. But was, I mean, Rodgers was the MVP the, the two years before that. Rodgers is so steady. I, I think go probably Rogers. still Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, Hurts over Rodgers at this point. I think Hurts is the best quarterback in the NFC. I agree with that. Um, Ellinger Sam Ellinger Mike versus White. Mike White. <laughs> well, how do we? Big, that's a big dub for Mike White. <laughs> I like Mike White. Yeah, big dub. Yeah, for me Mike too. White. For sure. Um, Mike White versus Davis Mills. Uh, um, yeah, it's Mills. Mills. Yeah, Mills. yeah, yeah. Davis Mills. And then uh, Davis Mills versus Russ. <laughs> it's close, but I'm going Russ. All right. Okay. I'll give you that one. Russ and Deshaun. I thought um, we did this. Oh, we, we I mean, did. it's Deshaun, right? It is I Deshaun. Mean, it, if, I, if I had to win a game this year, it's Deshaun. But, like, yeah, for sure. I would rather lose the game. 
Deshaun um, over Stidham. Deshaun over Stidham. Desha- Deshaun and Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Yeah, I think. Fuck Deshaun. I think it's fair. Anytime I can get away from Deshaun. I'm yeah, sure. Tannehill uh, over Mac Jones. Yep, I agree. Two over Tannehill. Yes. Um, two over Pickett. Tua? Yeah, two. Yeah, over Pickett. two over yeah. Pickett. Yeah, yeah. Lamar, Lamar over, Tua. over Tua. Herbert over Lamar. Herbert and Lawrence. This is Ooh. this is a. I mean, this is a really interesting one. It's got to be Herbert, you know, but like the head it's, to head. It's the head come. to head. Right, the head to head. Lawrence won it. I agree. Right? But, I agree. But I mean, is, I think Lawrence is, is on the ascension for now. Um, it is Herbert, for and now. it is Burrow over Herbert. Yes. I think Burrow's. I think, and now, now we get Allen to probably the most Burrow. interesting question in the whole quiz. Sure, of course. Allen v. Burrow is really, really fun because it just feels like Burrow took this from him this year. It, yeah, it, it does. It feels it does. like, first Absolutely of all, the playoff does. matchup. He took it, and Josh Allen isn't who he was. He's just he hasn't captured it back. So I'm going Joe Burrow. And I'll, then, I'll endorse that. That's fine. We can. And then Mahomes it. over Burrow. Yes, of course. All right, and this oh, here is the is. final final stretch. This is the one we were talking about. Ellinger versus Darnold. I can't click in the middle. I tried to to like not select <laughs> either one of them. Yeah, is there I like mean, a secret button somewhere? Yeah, on we got to go Ellinger. Says, I think Sam Darnold yeah, sucks. <laughs> Sam Darnold has proved that he is not good. So sure, yes. we'll we'll give it Sam Ellinger versus Kyle Trask. <laughs> Trask. Kyle Trask. Yeah, Kyle sure. Trask. Uh, Mike White. Over Mike Trask White for sure. For sure. Heineke I think Mike White over Mike White. I think Mike White over Heineke. Sure. I don't yeah, know. Heineke, Heineke's good. not great. The plucky backups. <laughs> there, yeah. There's our guy. There's Desmond Ritter. I think. Well, I mean, he's our dark horse. He's. Yeah. You know, I think we got to pick him over Mike White. Sure. We got to. Uh, Davis Mills we, over Ritter. We don't have probably. to pick him over Davis Mills. No, nah, Davis Mills is show me. Yeah. Uh, Mills, Lance. I, uh, Lance. I just don't know what. I just Lance. don't know what Lance I mean, is, but he's. I don't he, either, but he I would rather have him. If you're sure. telling me who would you rather have on your team, I'd rather have Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'd, I'd rather, rather have Trey Lance than Trussell yeah. Wilson. Yeah, yes, I, I would. I would rather have Lance than Stidham. I would. Oh, we got uh, Lance a million times in a row here. We're just Lance and we're Deshaun. seeing how high we can get Trey Lance. I mean, I'd rather have Desha- Lance because fuck Deshaun. Lance. But, yes, you're I mean, right. Yes, yes, yes. It's canon. Fuck Deshaun. Uh, Lance uh, Mac. and Mac Jones. Mac probably yeah. Mac. Yeah, yeah. Which Derek is funny Carver, because Jones. that's who. Yeah, you know, Shanahan right. was, was going to take, and then that was it. You know, Derek Carver, Mac Jones him out of it. Yeah, Carr. Tannehill over Carr? Uh, I think Carver Tannehill. Carr, Carr. Yeah, Carver yeah, Tannehill. Carver Pickett. Carver Pickett. Two over Carr. Tua over Carr. That sounds good. Two over um, Danny. Two over Probably. Danny. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Goff over Tua. Maybe. Uh, that's I kind of like. I'm kind of talking myself into Jared Goff. Yeah, me too. He's, <laughs> you he's, know, a, hands, he's, he's a handsome looking guy, too. He is. You know? His picture's just smiling you know, at us. I will not. Brian Gosling lookalike looking out at me here. And now we're looking at current Lions quarterback and future Lions quarterback, Jared Goff and Lamar Jackson. Oh, obviously well, Lamar. Going with Lamar. He's, he's, he's um, Lamar Gino's interesting, but I still think that's Lamar. Yeah, Lamar. Uh, Lamar over Kyler, for sure. Yes. Uh, Lamar, Lamar over Kirk Cousins. Cousins. Yeah, Lamar. Lamar over Fields, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Lamar versus Stafford. Stafford is an interesting one. It's it's past Lions quarterback versus future Lions quarterback. Every time we get to Stafford, I'm yeah. like, what is Stafford? Well, I mean, right, he, right. He's, he's won the Super, Super Bowl two years quarterback ago. That's hurt. That and he was an he MVP had, candidate. I mean, he was yeah, like a when top he had five QB. Him, he was good, but um, he also was awful last year. Who would you rather have next? Year? And Lamar. Lamar. Agreed. Who would you rather have between Lamar and Dak? Uh, I think 
I think probably, it's Lamar, probably but Lamar. like, yeah. yeah, it's pretty close. I'd rather have Rodgers than Lamar. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, Lawrence over Rodgers at this yeah. point. I yeah, mean, I think so. I, I love showed, Trevor Lawrence. He's awesome. I, I think he's very good. Yeah. I, and we'll I think go he's with, only going to get better. We'll go um, Lawrence over Rodgers. Lawrence isn't ready to take down Hurts here, but. I also think that's probably in the future, but I'm going with Jalen Hurts for now. Jalen Hurts, Hurts over Lawrence. Monster. Hurts versus Herbert is an interesting one. I it mean, is. It is. I still think I like Herbert. I mean. Yeah, that's fair. I I, I don't know. That's a close one for me, but. That arm is just, it's a yeah, gift from the gods. It, yeah. yeah. Okay. Herbert. There it is. We did it. Okay, so here is our ranking. I'm going to do the first eight. And we can just yeah. alternate here. Yeah, so we'll here's our top eight. This is this yeah. is tier one for us. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, uh-huh. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, yeah. Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. I think we picked the top eight quarterbacks in the NFL. That's I. That's I agree with that I think completely. We, and I think, and I think that tiered out perfectly. I also think it's funny that there are only two NFC quarterbacks, and if Rodgers goes to the Jets, it would just be Hurts in the top eight in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, absurd. Uh, then we hit the NFC up. We get Dak, we get Stafford, Fields, Cousins, Murray, Geno, Goff, Tua. Tua, the only AFC quarterback between 9 and 16. 9 through 15, all NFC quarterbacks. Um, (laughs) In that that 9 through 16, I feel pretty good. I think maybe looking at it now, Justin Fields, he matched up pretty well individually with some guys, but he's probably a little too high there at 11, right? Yeah, I agree. And we were also pretty bullish on Gino, but look at this next tier. I mean, yes. like, that's not like yes. this next tier of quarterbacks no. is good. Where would you put them? Yeah. Once you get past the top eight, these guys are terrible. So our next, our next tier of, of eight is 17 Daniel Jones, through 24. Yep. Derek Carr, Kenny Pickett, Brian Tannehill, who literally like those four guys, Mac Jones, those five guys in a row, that's the same guy five times in a row. It is. Daniel Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Kenny Pickett, Ryan Tannehill, and Mac Jones. Yeah, he's the same dude. Except Daniel Jones is at the top because he can run. (laughs) And he just got paid. And he he looks ridiculous. It's it's the same five guys except one of them is fast. Uh Trey Lance at 22, Deshaun Watson, and Jared Stidham checking in at 24th. (laughs) Stidham got some favorable head-to-heads also, and I feel like Deshaun at 23 might be too high. I think he was terrible last year. He was awful, but like he could be good. But how could you put him much lower than this? Because look at the next list. Now the next list. 25 through 32. This is our last tier. Starts off with Russ, which, you know, we obviously crushed Russ on this head-to-head, but 25 feels about right for where he was. Then Davis Mills, the neck, checking in at 26. Our dark horse Desmond Ritter did beat out five candidates. He is up to 27. So that was a pretty good showing for a guy we know nothing about. Uh, 28, Mike White, which uh, is, you know, interesting, I guess. Uh, 29, Taylor Heineke. 30, Kyle Trask. 31, Sam Ellinger. And the worst quarterback in the NFL who we did not pick head-to-head against a single player was Carolina's Sam Darnold. That was a blast. And I feel pretty good about these tiers. So if you guys have the opportunity if you guys want to get on and check this out bladen.com slash qb ranking quiz hit us up tweet us in the comments results. tweet us yeah. and give us our results so we will tweet this out with the podcast our results and show you our tears i feel pretty good about this i feel I pretty confident fun. that yeah and this was all off the cuff we weren't looking anything sure. up so you know yeah, i mean that's but that's how it should be that's how it should yes. be it's all about yes. gut feel it's not yes. about analytics it's not about nope. math it's nope. about eyes and feelings and that's what we did we got one final question here it's from our guy pks Ka-ka! 
Check up. He sent us a question a couple weeks ago that I did not get to before it became obsolete. It was about Eric Bieniemy of memory serves. He says that question is sealed. So here's another one in terms of year one impact. Did we just have the best draft of all time based on contribution, individual performances, and of course the overall result? It has to be right. Nah, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I I can't put a draft that doesn't have an all-time generational quarterback in it as the best. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, if because... you ask me, would I rather have that draft or the 17 draft the Chiefs took Mahomes in? Like, well, which sure. draft was more impactful for the team, yeah. for the league, for the future of the the, the sport? Sure. I mean, it was 17. It was it was it was Mahomes. But so let's put some qualifiers on this, though. Sure. I mean. If sure. you are taking quarterback out of the equation, because obviously okay. that's okay. I mean, if you sit and take a quarterback, this was a hugely impactful draft class and we're just starting to see the fruits of it. Right. Like it, yeah, there's obviously still a lot of ways it could go good or bad, you know, it, yep. it could, it could grow in its legendary status. It also could, some of these guys, you know, may not continue to improve beyond what we saw from them, their rookie year. And you just never know. So one team has drafted four Hall of Famers in one draft. That was the 74 Pittsburgh Steelers. They drafted Lynn Swan, Jack Lambert, John Stallworth, and Mike Webster, all in that draft that went on to help them win four Super Bowls in six years and, and become, you know, the Steelers, become the dynasty of the NFL before the Patriots. And, I mean, looking back on it, you got four guys with with – Hall of Fame jackets. You can't quite say that the Chiefs draft was better than that one, but I I don't think it's a stretch to think that if we look back on this draft in 20 years that the Chiefs had and we say, oh my God, how did they let the Chiefs get all those guys? I, I mean, you know, there's a chance we could be talking about it as the best of all time. I just don't think we can talk about it yet. I think that the conversation that you have to have, it's obviously the 1974 draft. I don't even know how many rounds that was, but it's a completely different era. It's not a salary cap. Good era. point. Good there point. were a lot fewer teams, you know, like amateur scouting wasn't even really a thing until no. I forget uh, who it was with the Cowboys that kind of pioneered that. Um, it's somebody extremely famous and he actually has a Twitter, I think as well. I Anyway, it doesn't matter. Whoever that guy is that I'm blanking on at 10, 15, on a Thursday night, that guy sort of pioneered amateur scouting in the late 70s, I think, for the Cowboys. So, you know, the draft class that stands out to me uh, in sort of the current era is the 2017 Saints class, which had yeah. Marshawn Lattimore, Brian Ram- Ramchek, you know, long, long-term starter, multi-pro bowler at cornerback, tackle, uh, Marcus Williams, safety, who's a good player, Alvin Kamara, who's had a, a really good career at running back, Alex Anzalone, and... Al Quandin Muhammad, who aren't really, you know, they haven't really done very much. But then Trey Hendrickson in the third round, who obviously they since have had to let walk, but he's been a really good player now with the Bengals the last year. And I mean that that class, man, a lot of players certainly have a chance to to equal that. You know, like instead of a, the Chiefs don't have a a star tackle like Brian Ramchek in this draft, but I mean like. Marshawn Lattimore, nice, easy one-for-one comparison there with Trent McDuffie. You know, if McDuffie Mm -hmm. pans out, that's certainly Mm – and they're different styles of player, but obviously you you get a lockdown cornerback. Instead of a tackle in Ramchek, you know – and they had two first-round picks, by the way. Both of those guys were – That was the Chiefs. uh, And 11 – right, sure, 11 and 32, and the Chiefs had two picks in the 20s. So value-wise, that probably is is pretty comparable. Uh, You know, Carlottis – certainly has a chance to have 
a similar level of impact as a tackle, you know, if yep. he progresses. Yep. Uh, then you have a safety, a really good running back, and, you know, a really good pass rusher to fill out the draft. I, I mean, had I think those Cook could, and Pacheco and Carl I mean, yeah. And and they could exceed that on, on volume. I mean, you've got, mm-hmm. you know, Sky Moore, you've got obviously a lot of DBs, and DBs are really valuable players. I, yeah. And listen, that Saints draft class set them up to, I mean, dominate for years. They went 11 and five and finished in first place that year. And they, you know, being the Saints, disappointed. <laughs> but then they were in the conference championship game two years in a row after that, or excuse me, one year in a row, because then they lost the, the Vikings. They lost that obviously ridiculous playoff, you know, NSC championship game with the pass interference call and everything like that. The but point is, yep. I mean, that set them up for they went 11 and five then they had back-to-back 13 and three seasons they went yeah they were a model franchise 12 12 and four after that i mean like that draft set them up for years they still are benefiting from that draft they still have players from that draft who are still stars you know six years later um that's the model and i think the chiefs have a chance to have a better draft class than that 